Good morning. Please join me as we uh, read responsibly our uh, call to worship today. It's called Journeying. Where are you, pilgrims? Do you know? Do you see the light? Do you see it calling you forward? It is the light of God shining for you. At every turn, we are blessed by your steadfast love. Amen. God's house, God asked you to do that. You can do that as well. Standing, stand, reach out, and the fire. Good copy. Everything do the same thing. 
want to be something that something maybe making a shirt or a dress. Oh, if I don't follow the directions, you know what happens? And assembling something, which is exactly what happened in her case. She had gotten a new food chopper, a really nice one from a place called Williams-Sonoma, and she was putting it together, but she didn't follow the directions, and you know what happened? It broke. She broke her nice food chopper because she didn't follow directions. And in that conversation, I didn't remind her that her first sentence was, do by self. And I didn't remind her of the time that I had warned her not to touch the hot curling iron. And she did. Ouch. It burned her badly. So she does have some of my not-so-good qualities. And I was mentioning the Simon Says game, and I remember the exact day I learned to play that game. I live with my family in Detroit, Michigan. And not too far down the street was an old rock quarry. And some friends of mine, when I was five years old, some friends of mine said, let's go down to the rock quarry and play a game called Simon Says. So I went with my friends. But I forgot one major thing, and that was to ask permission from my mom. And you know what? She couldn't find me. She was so worried. And when I got home, I was in big trouble because I didn't follow directions. Let's see where I am here. We... We need to always follow directions that our parents have established for us. And we want friends who are honest, kind, and loving. And you know, we are always safe following the teachings of Jesus. For your information, and to make myself feel a little bit better, I want to let you in on a little secret. You know, Mr. Jerry is my husband, and he thinks he's a GPS. <laughs> About 29 years ago, and of course this isn't the first time, it happened many, many times in our 51 years of marriage, we were going to a national monument in Wyoming, and he was following the map outlined by AAA in those days, and I was driving, and we ended up so far off the map. We were on a huge cattle ranch on a gravel road in the blazing hot sun with our car about to run out of gasoline. And to make matters worse, we had a tire blowout. It actually shredded because of the big gravel road and the cattle crossings we were going over. So you see, of course we lived to tell about it. 
but I'm not the only one in the family who doesn't exactly follow directions. But that's enough confessions for the day. Matthew 8:19 says, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And I hope that will be our prayer today. Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And I know a little song, and I think almost everyone here knows it. And if you haven't heard it, it's easy to learn. And I want us to sing that together now. Everyone sing it. Just the first verse. I have decided to follow Jesus. 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 No turning back, no turning back. And now, boys and girls, as you go to Children's Church, I have something to give to Miss Virginia, who's having Children's Church today. And she will have you follow directions and decorate these cookies to take home with you. And before you eat it, you need to get permission from your mom or dad to eat it. So you need to follow directions today, okay? Thank you. Thanks for coming. I get to talk first. That's that's unusual. Sometimes I give the first word in, but otherwise it changes after that. Brother Tim has asked us to talk about uh, our prayer session. Many of you I know do it every day. Phyllis and I do it every morning. And uh, this started some time ago when Phyllis, uh, in our journeys to Evansville, wanted to go to Barnes and Noble. And she came out with a couple of books that were daily devotions. We had not done this. We'd prayed, but not doing it on a daily basis and together. So we started it. And we have been doing it for quite some time now. And we've found it to be really a great thing that we are doing as far as our relationship and as far as the things that we were, we've learned and the way we feel toward each other. So I'm going to let Phyllis finish that because... She doesn't want me to do a 20-minute speech, and she's worried about what I'm going to say. (laughs) And she's pretty good at talking. I'm a good listener, okay? Don't let him fool you. Uh, 
when Brother Tim asked us to do this, we felt like there are many of you sitting out there that have done this for many more years than we have. While we have always, uh, we've been Christians all of our lives and have prayed uh, many, many times uh, daily by ourselves, we just had not made it a part of our routine um, to sit down together and read uh, God's Word and then to pray together. And um, we have found that that has opened so many uh, doors for us, and we have learned so much doing that, a lot about God, but a lot about each other, too. And it's enriched our relationship. Uh, In a relationship, there's four important things that I always uh, tell people when they're coming for marriage difficulties that are important in maintaining a healthy relationship. Uh, One of them is spending time together. A second one is really communicating. A third one is showing gratitude to each other. And the fourth one is doing what's called acts of service, just doing little things for the other person without having to be asked. And as we've done this uh, with God on a daily basis, we have found that the same thing is true about your relationship with the Lord. Uh, You're not going to really get to know him up close and personal unless you spend time with him and you really communicate with him and you are grateful on a daily basis and you do acts of service. We call on God most of the time when we're in deep trouble and uh, expect him to just bail us out. But sometimes we fail to talk to him when things are going well. I think that for us, with our relationship with God, and we've talked about this, the more we do this on a daily basis, the closer we feel to him, and the more meaningful the conversations with God become. It's easier to talk to him. It makes us feel the difference in being acquainted with God and having him as a dear, close friend. Sing that together now. Everyone sing it. Just the first verse. I have decided to follow Jesus. 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 No turning back, no turning back. And now, boys and girls, as you go to Children's Church, I have something to give to Miss Virginia, who's having Children's Church today. And she will have you follow directions and decorate these cookies to take home with you. And before you eat it, you need to get permission from your mom or dad to eat it. So you need to follow directions today, okay? Thank you. Thanks for coming.
I get to talk. I get to talk first. That's that's unusual. Sometimes I get the first word in, but otherwise it changes after that. Brother Tim has asked us to talk about uh, our prayer session. Many of you I know do it every day. Phyllis and I do it every morning. And uh, this started some time ago when Phyllis, uh, in our journeys to Evansville, wanted to go to Barnes & Noble. And she came out with a couple of books that were daily devotions. We had not done this. We'd prayed, but not doing it on a daily basis and together. So we started it. And we have been doing it for quite some time now. And we've found it to be really a great thing that we are doing as far as our relationship and as far as the things that we were, we've learned and the way we feel toward each other. So I'm going to let Phyllis finish that because... She doesn't want me to do a 20-minute speech, and she's worried about what I'm going to say. <laughs> and she's pretty good at talking. I'm a good listener, okay? Don't let him fool you. Uh, when Brother Tim asked us to do this, we felt like there are many of you sitting out there that have done this for many more years than we have. While we have always, uh, we've been Christians all of our lives and have prayed uh, many, many times uh, daily by ourselves, we just had not made it a part of our routine um, to sit down together and read uh, God's Word and then to pray together. And um, we have found that that has opened so many uh, doors for us. And we have learned so much doing that, a lot about God, but a lot about each other, too. And it's enriched our relationship. Uh, in a relationship, there's four important things that I always uh, tell people when they're coming for marriage difficulties that are important in maintaining a healthy relationship. Uh, one of them is spending time together. A second one is really communicating a third one is showing gratitude to each other. And the fourth one is doing what's called acts of service, just doing little things for the other person without having to be asked. And as we've done this uh, with God on a daily basis, we have found that the same thing is true about your relationship with the Lord. Uh, you're not going to really get to knowing up close and personal unless you spend time with him and you really communicate with him and you are grateful on a daily basis and you do acts of service. We call on God most of the time when we're in deep trouble and uh, expect him to just bail us out. But sometimes we fail to talk to him when things are going well. I think that for us, with our relationship with God, and we've talked about this, 
The more we do this on a daily basis, the closer we feel to him and the more meaningful the conversations with God become. It's easier to talk to him. It makes us feel the difference in being acquainted with God and having him as a dear, close friend. So as we've been uh, Wednesday evenings talking about prayer, and when Brother Tim asked us to do this, I felt there are many of you who are veteran prayers like this. But we felt honored that he asked us to share this with you, and that's what our prayer life has meant to us. Thank you.
Please be seated. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door, and he, cur and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him in the morning while it was still very dark he got up and went out to a deserted place and there he prayed and Simon and his companions hunted for him when they found him they said to him everyone is searching for you he answered let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons.
Will you pray with me? Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who has not spared thine own Son, but delivered him up for us all, and who with him has freely given us all things, receive these offerings which we bring and dedicate to thee, and enable us with all our gifts so to yield ourselves to thee that with body, soul, and spirit we may truly and freely serve thee, and in thy service find our deepest joy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Amen. Wasn't that beautiful? Thank you, choir. Sometime back, Dr. Phil Berry took a picture of a sign outside of a convenience store, and the store was on a highway in Texas just before it led into Oklahoma. It was one of those um, portable signs with flashing lights on it that uh, is designed to catch people's attention and lure people into the store. At the top of the sign, it read, Last Chance, Cold Beer, Texas Lotto, Clean Restrooms, Snacks. And then at the bottom, almost as an afterthought, it read, Jesus is Lord. It's like, whatever you need, we have it. A little snack, place to freshen up, a place to do a little gambling, a little bit of Jesus. Whatever you need, we've got it. And perhaps we, we shouldn't be too cynical about this. I mean, after all, at least they are making an effort to share Jesus, even if he doesn't have top billing over clean restrooms and lotto. But I read recently of someone else who sought to share Jesus in a rather unconventional manner. It seems that there's a, a couple in Ohio who thought that they saw the image of Jesus in the wood grain of a door in their house. And this image was so striking that they cut it out of the door and carried it with them when they moved to another house, and they proudly display it in their living room. They kept it because they thought that it would give them encouragement. And it makes sense that Jesus' image would appear in a door. I mean, after all, Jesus did say, I stand at the door and knock. And Jesus was a carpenter. But of course, we see this kind of thing all the time. There's one lady in St. Petersburg, Florida, who claims that she saw Jesus in a potato chip. See? <laughs> Somebody else found Jesus in a tortilla. Do we have the tortilla? <laughs> you can use your imagination. In Atlanta, Jesus' face was found on a billboard in the midst of a swirl of spaghetti noodles. So we see Jesus all over, over the place. And my guess is that, that we see what we want to see. And our deepest yearning of all is to see Jesus. And so in our search for meaning, our eyes pick up patterns that, even though they may be random, they seem to reveal God's presence to us, and that gives us peace. It also is a reminder to us of how popular Jesus still is, even in the secular world that we live in. Have you ever noticed how often Jesus appears on the cover of Time magazine or Newsweek magazine or something like that. Somebody once asked the religion editor for the Washington Post why this is the case. And his answer was that every time Jesus is on the cover of a magazine, their sales go up. You see, Jesus is commercially attractive. He's still popular with lots of people, people like you and me. And he was also popular when he first began his ministry 2,000 years ago. The scene that we have in our lesson for today takes place at the home of Simon Peter, where 
Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought of the disciples as as having families or not, but Simon must have been married because he had a mother-in-law. And after Jesus healed her, word got out. Word got out. And Mark tells us that that evening, people brought to Jesus all of the sick and the demon-possessed in the town. The whole town gathered at his door. Now think of that. The whole town gathered at his door. I guess this was the first century equivalent of a flash mob. But they didn't communicate by cell phone or Twitter or anything like that. They had to do it the old-fashioned way, word of mouth, person to person. But it worked. The whole town gathered at his door. Everybody wanted to see Jesus. A little further on, we read that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a a solitary place where he prayed. We talked about this Wednesday when we talked about prayer, how often Jesus did this. And then Mark tells us that Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they said, Everybody is looking for you. Everybody is looking for you. As we said a week or two ago, Jesus was like a rock star. Everybody was looking for him. And I don't know how to say this without sounding cliche, but I believe that even today, people everywhere are still looking for Jesus. They may not know his name, and they may use symbols and terminology that are different from what we might use, but they are still searching for Jesus. I mean, after all, he is the way and the truth and the life, and all people everywhere need what Jesus can give to them. For example, everybody needs a sense of direction for his or her life. All of us need a sense of direction for our lives. And in a sense, everyone is, to one degree or another, lost. And where are we to find any direction except in Jesus? It's like something that Dr. Lee Tuttle once told about that almost affected the course of the Second World War. It seems that in December of 1944, the the U.S. Army and its allies were on the offensive. For six months, they had been pushing the German army across Western Europe. But, But suddenly, one December day, a major portion of the Allied army ground to a halt. You see, the Germans launched a, a major counteroffensive. And if that offensive had, had succeeded... The end of the war might have been indefinitely delayed. And as it was, the German offensive almost did succeed. And a part of that was due to some brilliant strategy devised by the Third Reich. Here's what happened. A few days before the operation, German soldiers dressed in American uniforms together with American jeeps were parachuted behind American lines. 
And these soldiers from the sky, dressed in American uniforms, they carried no weapons, and their single mission was to discover which roads the Allied reinforcements would be using and to change all the road signs that pointed to strategic towns and villages. The simple task of turning the signposts to give wrong directions had deadly consequences. Because when the defenders in the the Battle of the Bulge called for help, As the Germans attacked, many of the reinforcements never showed up. Whole battalions were lost trying to find their way across the the countryside where all the signposts were wrong. Dr. Tuttle's point in relating this story was to say that we live in a time when many of the signposts that we turn to are pointing in the wrong direction as well. Moral signposts, ethical signposts, theological signposts. And because of this, many of us have lost our way in life. Have you ever been lost? You ever been lost? It's no fun, is it? Some of you probably have been. It's no fun. You were lost in Wyoming, or maybe it was Montana or... Wherever that cattle ranch was, you were lost. It wasn't even fun, was it? It's no fun to be lost. And sometimes maps no longer seem to have any, to make any sense. And, and, and when other people try to help, it, it sometimes makes things even worse. Well, the same thing can happen on the road of life. When we're lost, life no longer makes any sense. In Great Britain, there's an epitaph on a tombstone of a three-week-old three child that says it all for all of us, no matter what our age may be. Here's how it reads. It was so soon that I am done for. I wonder what I was begun for. It was so soon that I am done for, I wonder what I was begun for. My friends, the years pass so quickly, and many of us have no idea why we're here. We feel lost. We just kind of feel our way along with no direction in our lives, and and we just can't quite determine what our purpose is so where can we where can we turn for direction in our lives well there's one place that is truly reliable and that is Jesus Christ we see in him what we were created to be sons and daughters of God We are precious people who have been bought with the blood of Christ. And when we turn to Jesus, we discover, we rediscover what our purpose and our direction for life is. But there's a second thing that we can find in Jesus. You see, we we can also find someone that we can follow. Jesus not only points the way But he goes with us and and he leads the way for us. Indeed, he is the way. 
There's, a, there's another true story that comes from World War II. There was a, a platoon of American soldiers that were stranded on one side of a minefield, and they were, uh, they were surrounded, and, and they didn't have any choice. They had to get across that minefield. And so the platoon sergeant came up with a, a plan of how they could get across that minefield. Wasn't a very good plan, but it was the best that they could do. Here, here's what it was. One man would walk across the minefield, leaving clear footprints for the others to follow. If that man hit a mine, then another man would take his place and continue to walk across the minefield in his footsteps until he fell as well. And so on until finally they had cleared a path for all the rest of the soldiers to follow. It was a great plan, but it seemed likely that somebody was going to die. Well, these young soldiers with their hearts and their throats agreed to the plan. There was nothing else that they could do, but they wondered which of them would be the first to walk. To their surprise, it was their their sergeant who began to walk across that field first. As their leader, he insisted on risking his own life first for the sake of his men. And by some miracle, he made it safely across that minefield. And and following closely in his footsteps, all of the other soldiers made it across as well. My friends, that's leadership. That's courage. That's being willing, as, as Jesus said, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus did for us on Calvary. So not only does, does Jesus point to the direction that we need to go, but he goes before us, giving his life so that our lives might be saved. The writer of Hebrews in the New International Version calls Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Some versions call him the author and finisher of our faith. But I like the NIV here, the New International Version. Because you see, the the Greek word that's translated as author or pioneer is archegos. And that word literally means the first person or the one who takes the lead. And thus that person affords an example or a predecessor, a pioneer. Jesus is a pioneer in the same way that that platoon sergeant was a pioneer. He takes the dangerous path and clears the way for us. Jesus never asks us to go anywhere that he hasn't gone before. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that we need to fix our eyes upon him in the same way that those soldiers fixed their eyes on their platoon sergeant. So that we can make it through the minefield of life by following Jesus. Jesus gives us a sense of purpose and direction. And he leads us, he leads the way for us. And beckons for us to follow. But there's one more reason that the world longs to to see Jesus. For you see, when we follow Jesus, he leads us to the Father. When we follow Jesus, He leads us to abundant life with God. 
Not because we deserve it, but because of what Christ has done for us on Calvary. Sometime back, the Christian Century magazine carried a story by Lillian Daniel. Ms. Daniel told a story about a, a large collection of Southeast Asian pottery that her parents owned. And, and, and she says that her parents had collected this pottery on several trips to that part of the world over the years. And, and they carefully kept it displayed in their home. But there was one piece in this collection that always seemed out of place. You see, this piece had, had once been a fine antique vase with a, a Japanese design, but, but now it was damaged. And yet her parents kept it along with all of their finer pieces, even though it was a mass of, of cracks and, and holes and crudely glued together with what was obviously the wrong kind of glue. She says that she once suggested to her mother that they that she get rid of it, but her mother refused, and then she told her the story behind this piece of art. It seems that her father had brought that vase home when he was a journalist covering the war in Vietnam. And as he returned home, he, he carefully wrapped this vase and hand-carried it all the way from Vietnam. He traveled this long journey back home in taxis and Several airplanes and buses, he protected it through the whole trip home before walking up his driveway with a special vase in his hands. But at that very moment, as her father was walking up the driveway, his, his two-year-old daughter rushed towards him with her arms open wide, wanting a big hug from her dad who, he, who he, she hadn't seen in, in a long time. And her father was so surprised and so elated that he tried to hold on to that vase and yet also open his arms to his beloved daughter. But when, we, when he did that, you know how two-year-olds two year are. They kind of run right at you. And he was kind of crouched down. When, he, when she hit him and threw her arms around him, the vase fell. And it broke into pieces. Mrs. Daniel, of course, was that two-year-old daughter. And she ends her story like this. She said, thus it was that night that my mother pulled out the glue. She repaired the vase and she pronounced it precious. <laughs> my friends, that cracked ugly vase was almost as precious to her mother as we cracked and imperfect vessels are to God. And those who trust in Jesus will seek to walk in His footsteps. And if we do that, we are recipients of overflowing love and grace. And even though we may not be perfect in our service to God or our service to humanity, God's love for us and God's acceptance of us never ends. Never. It's kind of like a story that Tony Campolo tells. I love Tony Campolo. Uh, the story is set in heaven. 
St. Peter handles the admissions at the pearly gates, as you can imagine, while the Apostle Paul acts as the administrator of this celestial kingdom. And, and Paul, as the administrator of the celestial kingdom, takes a monthly census of heaven's inhabitants. But something doesn't add up. You see, every time Paul counts the number of people in heaven, the number that he comes up with is far greater than the number of people that Peter has registered at the gates. Well, this discrepancy mystifies them for for quite a while. But then one day, Paul comes running up to Peter and says, Peter, I finally figured out why our numbers don't add up. I figured out why there are so many more people in heaven then you're letting in at the gates. And Peter said, why is that? And Paul said, well, it's Jesus. He keeps sneaking people over the wall. <laughs> it's pretty typical, isn't it? Jesus offers unlimited grace to anyone who will trust their lives to Him. And you may say, as I do, I don't deserve God's grace. And that's true. That's true for all of us. But that's what grace is all about. So I guess it's no wonder that people advertise Jesus on signs for clean restrooms and Texas Lotto. It's no wonder that people see Jesus on doors and potato chips. Everybody deep down wants what Jesus can provide. Everyone is looking for you, said his disciples to Jesus. And that's still true today. He is the answer to every man, every woman, every young person's deepest need. He gives us direction and purpose for our lives. And we will never to fear what lies ahead of us because he goes with us. He is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And the destination is sure. And that is abundant life with the Father. Is that what you're looking for today? Maybe you didn't realize what it was that you're searching for and been searching for all of these, all of this time. Here it is. It's Jesus. If that's what you've been looking for today, then give your life to Christ this morning. Make that commitment to walk in His footsteps and know That His grace covers you and gives you abundant life, both now and for all eternity. Amen. We're going to sing together number 456, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. And this is a hymn of invitation. It's a hymn of response. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond to the work of God's Holy Spirit in your life today. Maybe you've been looking for something and you didn't know what it was. And maybe you finally determined that it's Jesus that you've been looking for. And it's time to, to give your life to him and commit yourself to him.
we invite you to make that commitment today. To say, yes, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, across that minefield of life. Yes, Jesus, I trust that you know the direction and purpose for my life. And I know today that if I follow you, I'm going to have an abundant life here on this earth and for all eternity with you. If you've never made that commitment, I hope you'll do it today. If you're looking for a church home to unite with, we invite you to come and join our church today. We try to be the people of God in this place and try to be the presence of Christ in this community, in this world. Or maybe you've been struggling with some things and just need a time of prayer. We invite you to come and we'll pray. If God's dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come as we sing, Precious Lord, take my hand. Would you come? so much. Please be seated for just a moment. I'd like to uh, call to your attention a few announcements that we have. Uh, first of all, we're going to be having a blood drive coming up on February the 15th. Uh, that's a Wednesday, and uh, if you have not made your appointment for that, then you can see Jika, and she'll be glad to sign you up for an appointment uh, on February the 15th, just coming up. For, uh, is that next week? Week after next. Week after next, isn't it? Um, so hope you'll do that. Also, on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, well, last weekend, last Wednesday, rather, uh, we started a series on prayer on Wednesday evenings. We prayed for two weeks uh, pre- prior to that, and last week we started a, a study on the subject of prayer. Um, and we're going to be, for, for several weeks, a number of weeks here, we'll be studying prayer. And, and uh, thank you. Jim and Phyllis, for your testimony on prayer. 
I think it's it's good for us to hear these things. And I think next week uh, some of our youth are going to be uh, doing a little testimony about prayer as well. Isn't that right, Julie? Uh, during our worship service. And so we're grateful for that. But this week our, our study will be prayer and God's word. Prayer and God's word. So I hope that you'll come and, and be here on Wednesday night for that. Uh, and you'll see in your in your program all of our activities for Wednesday. We have choirs and, and dinner and then our Bible study at 630. So we hope that you can come and be a part of that. Uh, also, your uh, mission and ministry team has been working and we're, we're planning ahead towards uh, this summer. And uh, we would like to uh, make a trip to McCreary County this summer on June the 8th through the 16th. Actually, we will probably leave after church on June the 10th, uh, uh, on the 16th, and, and go over there and come back on Saturday. But you can go for any part of that week that you want to. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet back on the back, and here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to join a, a group of probably 100 or more people in McCreary County, and we're going to build a house. In one week, in one week, we're going to build a house for someone who needs it desperately. And uh, I'll introduce you to those people later on. And, uh, and I hope that, that you could be a part of that. If you'd like to attend that and be a part of that ministry this summer, uh, then be sure to sign up on the sign-up sheet as we make plans for that. The, uh, the cost, um, the cost is, is really only going to be your lodging. Uh, your mission team, we have a mission fund, and we're going we're gonna to cover the fee that covers the, uh, um, the uh, materials and everything. Um, so the only, only thing that you'll have to take care of is your lodging there. And uh, there are several hotels in the area uh, that we'll make arrangements for when we get a number. So that'll be it. Um, also, next Sunday, we have a Valentine's dinner. This is the... Wonderful Valentine's dinner that the men will be serving to the women next Sunday. And Greg, I think you have some things to say about that. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> Ladies, next Sunday at 5.30, you're invited to a winner's Valentine dinner. You're all winners. The men are cooking for you. Men, we will be here next Sunday at 1 to start work on that dinner for them. The dinner will be made up of tossed salad, pork tenderloin, a baked potato, green beans, hot rolls, and various desserts. So ladies, get ready for a feast. If you have not made your reservations, please let Dottie know by tomorrow how many children, how many adults will be attending and the men, if you have not gotten your $10 to Bob Crafton for that dinner, please do so. We look forward to the Valentine's dinner next Sunday. Wait a minute. You said that the women were the winners. They are the winners. They, they, they're the winners. And you said that the men are cooking. Yes, that's right. I thought they were winners. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was a slam on the guys. It'll be a lot of fun, and so I hope you'll be here for that, and uh, please get your reservation in. Everybody get your reservation in, and, and, uh, and we'll share that time uh, next week. It'll be a lot of fun. Let's stand for our benediction.
Oh God, we long for your presence with us. We humbly seek your face always. We approach your throne through the merits of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that your throne is a throne of grace. And we confess to you that we're not worthy to be in your presence. But you have called us unto yourself. And according to your promise, we have received your unmerited favor and forgiveness. And so now, let us go from this place and live in your grace. Let us go forth and heal and bless and serve and proclaim your name in this world. Always. Amen. Thank you.